Hey, welcome to church, and I hope you have had the best week. I was going to say the best week of the summer. I don't know if you know this, but this is the first week of the summer, and I'm so glad it's here. And hey, wherever you're tuning in from, welcome to church. Got some of my friends with me here today. And they and I are so excited that you're with us. We gather every single week. Uh, right now, digitally, but soon to be physically, July 12th, somebody shoot fireworks or run or shout. But on July 12th, we resume in-person gatherings. We're back starting in the Lancaster location, and I'm so, so excited. But, hey, maybe you're new today, and I just want to welcome you. I'm so glad you're with us. Here's the deal. During this time, our family has been getting bigger. Our ex-church family is growing. It's getting huge. And here's the deal. People are tuning in from all over the place, all over the city, all over the state, really, honestly, all over the world. And maybe as we gather today, you don't even know where you are across the map emotionally or spiritually. Maybe you practice another religion. Maybe somebody just honestly just kind of twisted your arm to hop on the stream. But wherever you're at, we want you to know that you're welcome, and you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. So welcome to church. Welcome to what God is doing here at the X. My name's Russ. I'm on the team here. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, here's what I know. This has been a crazy time. It's been said a million times. I want you to know something. We don't always do this, but I just want you to know who is part of the party day. We got Jesse McCoy. He's the youth director in Lancaster. We got Hannah in graphics creative. She pretty much can do everything. We got Eddie, who is our kids director in Lancaster. My man Jarrell, who is the man, the myth, the legend. And I taught him how to play guitar. Pastor Steve, who's pretty much the mayor of Lancaster, runs groups, outreach. My man, David Fant, who runs a semi-pro basketball team. Just so you know who's with us today. And here's what I'd like to start out by doing. Today, I'm going to be honest. If you love those kind of messages that are like hyper-practical, you may hate this one. I just want to tell you. Um, I just want you to know that. This is a message that God put on my heart really last year that's been stirring in my heart again recently, especially with all that's going on. And honestly, today, if it's okay with you, I just want you to leave encouraged. Is that all right? Is that okay if we just let God just encourage us today? And so to start out with, I want to ask you a question. It's a question I ask my staff all the time, and they I don't know if they hate it or not. I don't know if they're tired of it, but especially in quarantine, 9.30 in the morning and 4.30 in the afternoon, every check-in, I would ask them the same question, and I would ask them this, and I want to ask you today, how's your soul? People often ask, how's your job? How's this going? How's life? But I want to know, 1 to 10, 1 being low, 10 being high, how's your soul today? Why don't you go ahead and put it in the chat? While you put it in the chat, why don't you hold up fingers? Maybe balance your Bible on your lap or whatever. I want to know, where's your soul today? 1 to 10. Jesse's an 8. Hannah's a 6. We got an 8.5. Jesse hates the fractions. We got a 6. We got an 8. We got a 9. Here's my prayer today is that whatever your number is, I honestly am praying that by the end of this message, you're at least one number higher. I know this. God longs to put encouragement in your soul today. There's a verse I love. Uh, I want to start out with, and, and before I tell you what the verse is, I want to tell you why I love it. So, a lot of times I love the verses, Eddie, that encourage me, the promises of God, words of, of encouragement that tell me what I can become in Jesus, that tell me how God is able to do the impossible. But you know what I also love is I love the verses that put words to my feelings. 
Sometimes I'll be honest, I can be in a place in life where I'm so low, I don't even know how to describe it. And that's why it makes me laugh when people say that, man, I, I need to wait to get my emotions right before I go to God because I'm angry. And I'm like, you've obviously not read the book of Psalms. Because David gets angry a lot, and he puts it in words. I heard someone say this one time, and this may sound really cheesy, and you may make fun of me for liking this, but they said that when you hear someone say that a song made them cry, what they're really saying is a song let them cry. A song put words and melody to what they're feeling. And I, and I think that's what Scripture does so many times. We don't know how to describe what we're feeling, and so God gives us Books like the book of Psalms. Now, I want to read a verse, and I think you're going to be able to re relate to it today. And I love this. Wherever you're at, it's Proverbs 13, 12. It says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I, I really believe this. I believe that today, Jarrell, there's people watching that are heart sick. And there's a heart sickness inside. Another translation, I love it, it says it this way. It says, when hope's dreams seem to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. But when the longing is fulfilled, it is sweet to the soul. I love that. It says, when hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. In fact, if you're a note taker, I want to encourage you, go ahead and write down the title of this message. Here's the title. When the delay is depressing. Come on, what do you do when the delay is depressing? I'm going to pray, but before I pray, why don't you just turn to the person beside you and just tell them, say, it has been long enough. Maybe turn to the other person on the other side of the sofa, the car, the airplane, wherever you're tuning in from. Or maybe you're all alone, and that's why the, de the delay is depressing. But wherever you are, just say it out loud. Say, it has been long enough. Father, I thank you today that your word has power to breathe fresh hope into any situation. And so, God, I'm believing today that everyone watching, whether it's on this specific day or someday three years from now, the Lord, your voice is eternal, so you're speaking just the same. Lord, your power and your spirit knows no boundaries. It doesn't matter whether we're in one building or whether we're in cars. Your spirit is chasing and wooing and pursuing and ministering and reaching us right where we are today. There is no one watching right now that is watching by accident. And so I'm asking for a spirit of hope to fill every living room. I, I pray in homes where there's been nothing this week but discouragement and marital stress that hope would breathe into that place like a fresh wind. In Jesus' name. And amen. And amen. Question. Maybe a dumb question. Raise your hand in the chat if you love delays. Anybody love delays? Nope. Is that maybe a rhetorical question. Who really, really hates delays? Like, I mean, who's the really impatient person? What's the worst kind of delay, Eddie? Flight delays. Actually, the first time I preached this message, message, Jesse, you may remember this. I was delayed coming back from Dallas, and it messed a lot of things up. You remember that. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe you hate delays in the line, or you maybe hate delays uh, in traffic. I mean, hello, we've been in quarantine. Um, I think everybody has hated this delay. And so I want to tell you, though, the worst delay I've ever experienced and why it was so bad. I remember it like it was yesterday, Pastor Steve. I was in Mexico in 2004. 
Uh, a large group of us, about 50 of us, uh, each summer got to go, as part of a youth group, got to go to an orphanage in Mexico. And uh, beautiful time of ministry, uh, really built some great relationships there at the orphanage. But I'll never forget one time, we were about to leave. It was the last day. We had a pizza party with the kids. We had spent all week playing with them, praying with them. It was amazing. And uh, everybody got back on the bus to leave. And I remember I was the last one on the bus. I, I feel like that a lot. I was the last one on the bus. And I'm going to be honest, I was in high spirits. Like, I was really excited about the week that we had had in Jesus. We'd been ministering all week. We'd had an awesome time in Mexico. But when I stepped back onto the bus, I, have you ever, you, ever, you ever been in a situation where you weren't emotionally where they were? You, you ever? I remember when I saw Endgame. I think Pastor Zach was screaming in agony, bawling, crying. Now, I liked Endgame, but I was not emotionally where he was. I was not crying. You, you ever been there? You know, like, it's awkward if you're in a setting where you're not emotionally where that person is. I'm telling you, I got back onto the bus with a skip in my step. I was whistling. Actually, I'm making that up just for kicks uh, because I actually don't know how to whistle. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but I don't know how to whistle. But I was really, really excited, and I stepped back onto the bus in high spirits, and I'm telling you, the moment I stepped onto the bus, I mean, every single person was bawling. I stepped back on. That was the most awkward moment of my life because I'm stepping onto the bus. I'm excited, and I look, and every single person is, they have their arms over each other. They're wailing. They're weeping. They're crying. And I think to myself, what happened? There must have been an entire family that had a bomb dropped on them right before we stepped back onto the bus. And I don't know what's happened. I just know that tragedy has struck, and I don't know what to do. And I feel really, really awkward. And so I, I, I you know what you do? You try to put on your solemn face. And so I, I was like... And uh, I just walked, walked on, and finally I, I had the courage to tap somebody on the shoulder, and I said, hey, what happened? And he said, he looked at me like I, like I was a maniac. And he said, what do you mean what happened? We're sad to leave all of them. And I said, oh, yeah, I mean, me too. I, I, and I... I felt like a monster because I was not emotionally where they were. I was going to miss them, but I'd had an incredible week being able to build relationships with them. I was excited. It was bittersweet for sure, but I was not where they were. And so I started walking to the back of the bus. And you have that person, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a brother or sister, that you just know each other so well that you know what each other's thinking before you even say anything. And it's not good in certain awkward situations because you know you'll make each other laugh. You have that? Who is it, Eddie? Uh, it's, it's your wife. Okay. So my best friend Colt is in the back of the bus, and I know before I reach the back of the bus where he's going to be emotionally. He's going to be the only person like me. And so I get to the back of the bus, and I see him standing there, and I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. And, um, and so finally I look at him, and he looks up, and he had that look, and I just thought, oh, this is going to be the longest bus ride ever. And so I said, and don't you judge me, all you holy people, for uh, the harshness of the language I'm about to tell you. But I turned around, and I, and I did this, and I whispered, and I said, listen to me, you idiot. I said, do not speak. Don't say a word. Do not breathe. I said, if you make me laugh, these people are going to stone me like David in the Old Testament, like the men wanted to do. I said, don't you look at me. He goes, and I thought this is not going to be good. So I turned around, we start driving back, it's really, really quiet, it's fragile, it's awkward, it's tense, and then all of a sudden, from behind me, I, my friend that I gave specific instructions not to say anything, 
doesn't, he doesn't say anything. He starts singing. I hear him behind me all of a sudden say, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I turn around and say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? You are singing. And he, he broke a little bit. And then, and then before God, I am not exaggerating. Once he gathered himself, he lifted both arms and started singing, casting crowns. He said, I will praise you in this storm. And I will lift my hands. Do you think I should join the worship team, by the way? Because Pastor Trey is still not letting me join. But I think I should be able to join. So sure enough, I, I lose it. I start laughing my brains out. And I sit down, and I'm shaking. This is, I'm not exaggerating anything. I'm shaking so bad, a girl looks over, thinks I'm crying, and comes and puts her hand on me and starts praying. So I start shaking harder and laughing harder. And then sure enough, just like I thought would happen, the crying died down, and I was still laughing. And I am not exaggerating at all. My prayer partner, accountability partner, would not meet with me for a month. He told me, verbatim, this is what he told me. He said, you have no soul. This way he told me, he said, I have no soul. Why are you telling me this? What's that to do with Jesus? I don't know. Here's why I'm telling you this, is that delays can really set us off and mess us up. Uh, sometimes in the small, sometimes in humorous things like that. And then there's other moments where the delay is so serious and so traumatic that it takes the wind out of our sails and it crushes our spirit and it makes us heart sick inside. It's funny when the delay is a flight, maybe, sometimes. It's not so funny when you're a parent who for years and maybe even decades has been praying for that son or that daughter that's been so far away from God and maybe they're still bound up in addiction and you've been waiting. God, when are you going to answer this prayer? It has been long enough. Or maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you're that person that, man, I've been waiting for this marriage to come together and to be reconciled. And we've been struggling in our marriage for years. We've gone to counselors. We've done all the things everybody says to do, but nothing's working. And God, I've been waiting for resolution for a long time. It has been long enough. Maybe, you know, I loved last week hearing the heart from Pastor Tim over what's going on in our nation. Maybe there's some white people that are like, honestly, I, I, I'm waiting for some of what we're talking about with the racism in America. I'm waiting for some of that conversation to die out. But can I tell you, the majority of our African-American brothers and sisters are saying, I've been waiting for decades for there to be voices raised about the injustice of what we've experienced. It has been long Enough. Maybe you're single and you're like, man, I've been waiting, praying for, you know, in the old days they used to pray for your Boaz. If you're really church, you would pray for your Boaz. If you were, if you're waiting for a girl, a wife, you'd pray for your Rebecca. I remember about four years ago, this lady, this, she's an intercessory prayer warrior. She texted me and she said, I just feel like telling you, Russ, your Rebecca is on the way. And I texted her back and I said, Gail, I, I, I appreciate the the, uh, the thought, but I, I think Rebecca has fallen into a well in the Middle East, and I actually don't think she's on the way. Maybe that's how you feel as, as, a, as a single person. Maybe I, I don't know what it is, and you know what I think is even worse? Sometimes the delays aren't external, they're internal. God, I don't know when this depression will lift. God, I, I don't know when this addiction 
will loosen the vice grip on my life. God, the confusion, the doubts, I don't know if I can make it another day. God, it's been a delay for a long time, a long battle for me to really believe that there's value over my life, that I have any sort of significance, that things can ever change, that I'm not going to just be like my mom or my dad. There's been internal battles of identity, and I don't know that that will ever lift. I love where David prayed this kind of prayer again. I love how honest he is. In Psalm 13, he says this, Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? Have you ever felt like that? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. I love that. Restore the sparkle to my eyes. Are you heart sick today? And if you are, I believe there's a man... In scripture that can relate. If you have your Bibles, of course, we'll have it on the screen for you. But if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to a copy made with uh, trees and old-fashioned paper. Uh, Mark chapter 5. There's a story of a man named Jairus. Everybody say Jairus. Jairus. <laughs> that, that was weird. Turn to the person beside you and say one more time, it has been long enough. It has been long enough. I'm going to give you a second turn, Mark chapter 5. In case you're curious, this is a story about a religious leader. He's actually a religious leader who loved Jesus and knew Jesus but was in a delay. He was actually in an, in an emergency at first. Here's what he said. Starting in chapter 5, verse 21, the story says this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat... To the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Jesus fell at his feet and pleaded, my little daughter is dying. Can you imagine? And here's what he prayed, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. I love that. Just a sidebar, I'm going to stop every once in a while in this passage because I love that visual. I love the faith that this man believed. No matter how dark my life is, I think whatever Jesus puts his hands on will be healed. I, I, I really believe if Jesus would just put his hand on my marriage today, things can change. I believe if, if the Lord stretches his hand out and puts his hand on a sick body, it can be healed. I've seen it happen. I believe if God puts his hand on my life today, things will change. I believe if God puts his anointing on my heart today, things can be broken and addictions and bondages can be stripped away. Whatever Jesus puts his hand on, maybe that's a prayer for you in this season. God, put your hand on my life in this season. And that's what he said. And then I love this. He says, Jesus went with him. Jesus just said, all right, I'll honor that faith. I'm going with you. And it says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. You ever feel like that? Man, no matter how, the harder I try, the worse it gets. You ever been there? 12 years she had this issue. Anybody had an issue? I know sometimes if I have an issue or I have an unanswered prayer for a year, I'm just like, God's dead. No, and I mean, nothing's ever going to happen. Nothing will ever change. She had this issue for 12 years, and nothing worked. Maybe you've been to 12 different marriage counselors, and nothing has worked. 12 years. But look what Jesus did. 
when she heard about Jesus, someone's going to hear about Jesus today. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. It, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Now time out. So I just want to make sure that we're clear on where we're at. Jesus has a crowd following him, this man named Jairus. His daughter is dying. He begs Jesus to heal his daughter. And then Jesus meets this woman with an issue of blood, and he heals her. Now, that's awesome, and we all applaud that, man. Isn't that awesome? And we know that's awesome, and we think that's great, and let's praise God. Let's have a praise break. But we never look at this story from Jairus' position. It's awesome that she was healed, but his daughter's dying And the miracle just got interrupted. Imagine if you're Jairus. You ever felt like, Jesus, you seem to be interrupted. You seem to be busy from the things I'm, do you not see what I'm going through? Do you not see what I'm facing? Or or better yet, you ever had, I mean, maybe you're too holy to admit this bothered you. But have you ever had to watch when God didn't answer your prayers, but then watch him answer somebody else's? You ever been waiting for a healing, and you hear someone in church say, well, my Aunt Betty, I tell you what, she prayed, and they came over, and they anointed her with oil, and it was so great, and she was just healed right now. And you're thinking, that's wonderful, Aunt Betty. I praise God for that. But where are you, God, in my healing or my family member that's dying? If you have time later this week, you should go read the story of Hannah. She's the one that gave birth to Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. And she was barren for many, many years. And she had to endure the scorn of watching other people around her have kids. But she cried out to God, I'm barren. God, where are you in my time? I've prayed with couples right over there in this auditorium who have struggled with the pain and the depression of God. I'm waiting for this promise. And then, sure enough, look at the next verse after Jesus gets distracted. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. So Jesus showing up on time resulted in her dying. You know, it's one thing to be disappointed with people. It's another heartbreak to be disappointed with God. You ever said, God, if you'd only? And God, if you would have just... It says, your daughter is dead. The marriage is dead. The dream is dead. The finances are dead. The hope that I had for that thing, that business, that adventure, that friendship, that relationship, that church, that thing, it, it's dead. And God, I, I, th- I just praise you for what you're doing for him or for her. But what about me in this moment? And I can only say that Jairus was heartsick. But then look what happens. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid just believe. Well, that's great, Jesus, for you to say, and um, I, I think that's really religious. That's very, that, that's okay. I'll, I'll put that on a pillow and put that on the couch, but this thing's dead. But overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. And it says, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly And he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. And it says, after he put them all out. Sometimes there's moments you got to shut everybody else out and say, God, we got to do business. 
Maybe today, I, I hope today you don't just get done with this little sermonette and just say that that was wonderful. My, my prayer today is some of you get alone with God and do business and say, God, I've been disappointed for a long time if I'm just being honest with you. And so they did business with Jesus and it says this, it says, he, took the, he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with them and went in where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said to her, Talith, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up immediately. Everybody say immediately. I saw through the screen. You didn't say it. Say immediately. Immediately Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this time, isn't that interesting? The woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, and this girl was 12 years old. God raises her from the dead. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this time they were completely astonished. I would say so. I would say so. If you're a note taker, I got four simple observations, and then I'm going to let you get to quarantine lunch and uh, cook your grilled ham and cheese sandwich or whatever you do and uh, let you get on with life. But four observations from this story. Observation number one, delayed does not mean denied. I, I, I need my crowd to preach with me for a minute. Delayed does not mean denied. The, the answer may have not have come when Jairus wanted, but oh, it came. And I know this may sound too simple, but I just feel like looking into the camera and telling somebody, you better not give up. You know, Jesus told several parables, and in these parables, there was a wicked man on the other side of the door. And in this parable, he told uh, there would be a lady that would come to the door, and she would knock over and over and over again, but the man was wicked and wouldn't answer the door. But finally, in the parable, because of the persistence of the widow, because the widow was so annoying, because the widow wouldn't give up, because the widow wouldn't take no for an answer, eventually the wicked man opened the door and gave her her request, and Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly Father not give justice to his people? And then the last part, this is verbatim what it says, it says, and Jesus told this parable, parable that they may always pray and never give up. Come on. You may always, I'm, I'm, always pray and never give up. I know this is elementary, but do you want two keys for life? Always pray and never give up. I know that's not deeply theological. I know it may not be fancy, but just pray all the time. Pray in the morning. Pray at night. Pray while you're going down the road in your car. Pray during the day. Whenever that that thing that's in your mind, the delay, the pain, the promise, whenever it creeps up into the remembrance of your mind, don't worry about it. Pray about it. And whatever you do, I just feel aggressive enough to tell you in the anointing of God, don't you dare give up. Don't you dare. You have no idea how close you might be. To the breakthrough. Delay does not mean denied. Observation number one. I'm going to go quick, Pastor Steve, so that I don't preach. Delay does not mean denied. Because I want you to know this. We have no guarantee that everything will go our way this side of life. But I do know this. God never wastes your faith. And and even if it doesn't happen the way you wanted it to, you can know this. I know it may sound cliche. I know it may sound preachy. But here's what I do know. Sometimes God does not meet your expectations because he's planning to exceed them. And what he has is exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. God, you can never outdream him. You you can never outhope him. You never can. Delay does not mean denied. Second thing is this. Delays can create even greater blessings. Delays, okay, being healed is one thing. Being raised from the dead, that's greater. 
Delays can create even greater. But so, sometimes it's while I'm waiting on the answer to prayer that God does something in me that wouldn't have happened had I not gone through the wilderness for him to purify me and strengthen me and do a deeper work inside of me. D- delay does not mean denied. And, and here's what I've also seen looking through Scripture. And when I read through the heroes of the Bible, many times I notice this. Sometimes the greater the delay, the greater the destiny. I think about Moses. Yeah, he led the children of Israel to the wilderness 40 years, but it wasn't until after he had lived in the wilderness 40 years, waiting on who knows what. Joseph is given a dream when he's a teenager. And look at the pits and the prisons and everything on the way to the palace so that God could do something in the character of Joseph. It says, and I believe it's in Isaiah, that until the testing had come to pass, to fulfill everything God had for Joseph. And I just, I feel an anointing to tell somebody today, I'm not trying to be weird or spooky, but I just want you to know that could it be that God is doing something in the delay he never could have done if he had just snapped his fingers like an instant microwave. But God could be doing something in the crock pot of your spirituality to grow something deeper inside you like gold and endurance and faith. Here's what I found, is that God sometimes does more in the delays than he ever could have done in just snapping his finger for the appointment. Sometimes it's my disappointment that makes room for divine appointments that I never could have even thought possible. Delays can create even greater blessings. I think of Moses, I think of David, I think of Joseph. I think of Adam waiting for Eve. Hello to the single people. Maybe you should just put in the chat, it has been, put it in all caps, it has been long Enough. You know, we don't think about this, but Adam, before he was given Eve, was given all the animals to name. It's a good thing he didn't know that woman existed. That would have been really annoying. God, I'm, I'm, I'm asking. I'm, I'm lonely. I don't need a squirrel. I just, I, 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 you know, I, you know but, but, but God, can you imagine how many years it must have taken? I mean, I don't know what you believe is the chronology, the order of, you know, how many years, but can you imagine how long it must have taken for David to name all the animals, but after the delay of everything that wasn't part of the promise, can you imagine the moment he finally saw Eve? And I, I, I just wonder when hope's dreams do come to pass in your life, could it be even sweeter than if he had just snapped his fingers? The greater the delay, the greater the destiny. Like a woman in pregnancy, you, be, you can become enlarged in the delay in a way that actually builds your expectation, not crushes your spirit. Number three, delays don't determine our destiny, but what we do in them can. Delays don't, that's gotta be good news that delays don't determine your destiny. Somebody needs to know God is not sitting up there saying, well, I had all these awesome plans for Jesse in 2020, but then COVID hit. I didn't see it coming. Gabriel, where was my morning news to tell me what was on the horizon? No, you need to know that God still sits on the throne and none of his purposes and plans for your life can be thwarted. And he's not caught off guard by anything in your life. You need to know that. The challenging part of that, though, is what I do with the delay can determine my destiny. Just ask the children of Israel who were supposed to take an 11-day trip through the wilderness, but because they chose the wrong spirit, because they chose disobedience, because they chose complaint, because they chose... You know what I found out? They spent 40 years and died out never reaching their potential, not because of the delay, but because of what they did in the delay. You know, I've had seasons where I've developed myself in the delay. I've had other seasons where I think I've damaged myself in the delay. 
And in every delay, we have a choice. Will I let God develop me? Here's what I know. Sometimes I think the delay is there because I could, I mean, we don't like to think about this. Sometimes I think I may be the one holding God up. (laughs) Sometimes I think he wants to develop some maturity that's big enough to handle the blessing that I'm asking him to give me. I think maybe sometimes he knows that to give me the keys to the car I'm asking for would actually be unloving and unkind. I've said it before, but I think sometimes we're asking God to show up, and he's still waiting for us to grow up. But in the delay, he can develop what could never be developed outside of the delay. Delays don't determine our destiny, but what we do in them can. You know, I can let the pressing of this season create a sweetness in my life and create a dependency on God. I I can let the delay develop my character. I've noticed sometimes in the delay develops my trust. I think sometimes in the delay God sees whether I am obsessed with the answers to prayer or with him. Sometimes I think God knows that if he were to give me the blessing I'm waiting for, I would make an idol out of the blessing and I would start worshiping that thing instead of worshiping God. I think sometimes God wants to see if I can trust him. I had somebody ask me one time, I want to ask you this. In the middle of a delay, can you trust God with a mystery? Can you trust God that even when he seems absent, he's still active, that he loves you and he's for you? And um, I'm just telling you, God wants to do something in in the delay. And he wants, this is why it's so important that our vision stays full. Because I'll tell you what happens in the delay. This is where damage can happen in a delay. Sometimes if there's so much time and it becomes too depressing, a might-as-well spirit creeps in. You ever been there? Well, I, apparently God's not going to answer this, and apparently this is going to never change, so I might as well. I might as well compromise. I, I might as well settle. I might as well go ahead and numb myself with this vice to take away the pain because I, I don't know when that's ever going to happen. That's why it says in Proverbs, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. So can I just give you a little tip, too? In the wilderness, it is so important in the wilderness, in the delay, that I keep the vision tank of my life full. That no might as well spirit creeps in. But even if spirit will get inside me, even if. God doesn't do things on my timetable. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to follow him to the end of my days. Does this help anybody? I guess y'all have to say that. Huh? I'll, I'll close with this last one so I don't go all day. In the delay, Jesus must remain the destination. I know it sounds so cheesy. I talk a lot about when I first got saved as a weird middle school kid. Because I don't ever want to lose the wonder and the childlikeness of falling in love with God simply for the sake of falling in love with God. And I know this may sound cliche. It may sound preachery. But can I just tell you, it's so important that in every season, Jesus remains the point of it all. It's so important can I tell you, when I remember going on some trips with my parents um, a, a few years back, and to be honest, I was, um, I was a little heartbroken over a situation in my life, and looking back, I, I feel kind of guilty. I feel kind of convicted about it because uh, I would go on vacation with my parents or my friends, but my, my body was there, but my mind wasn't there because my mind was, what, was on what I didn't have yet. 
And, and that makes me human, but have you ever been there? Like your mind is on what you don't yet have. And I'll never forget one of my friends is very blunt and very direct. Uh, I was about to go on a trip with my parents, and we were about to go somewhere amazing. And my parents are such amazing people, and I love these trips. But my last couple adventures, I'd been kind of stuck in my head and, and just kind of, just to be honest, discouraged and distracted by everything that had happened, my hopes that had been let down. I was heartsick. I'll never forget I had a good friend pull me aside and in a very blunt, man-to-man way. He said, uh, Russ, I know you're about to go on a trip. Uh, don't you dare go on another trip. I, I know you're hurt over this, but don't you dare go on another trip with your parents with your head stuck up your... And he said, I think it was rear end. I don't know. Uh, whatever it was, I won't repeat it for church. But I needed that moment. Because here's the deal, it is very easy, isn't it? When you're waiting on something that your heart is longing for to make that the summit of all your dreams, when I get there, and you know what happens? A few things happen. Number one, we lose precious moments along the way. It's great to live for the future as long as we still live in the moment. And so often we either live in the future or for the moment. But God has called you and I to live in the moment for the future, that I do have hopes and dreams, and I'm believing God for you to do those things, but I don't want to miss here and now. God, you're in today. God, today is all I have. Today, give me my daily bread. Today is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day of salvation, and I'm not promised tomorrow, so I don't want to waste the precious moments of life that I have worried about the future. And here's the other thing, too. If I make whatever that goal, hope, desire, dream is my destination, then when everything in life doesn't go my way, and it won't always go my way because Jesus says in this world you will have trouble, I will bail on this whole faith thing, won't I? I, it, I've seen it a million times. I've seen it a million times. We, we get so caught up on God, do this for me, and if he doesn't, we're out of here. But I don't want to be like the man or the, or the woman that, that marries someone because they have money. God, I'm not in love with what you can do for me. I'm in love with you. And I want to keep coming back to the place where even if you don't do one more thing for me, can I still say, God, you're enough? That you really are enough. That you're the creator of the universe. You're the alpha and the omega. You are the summit of all my hopes and dreams. I'm going to spend forever with you. And I really am believing that some of the things you've spoken over my life will come to pass. But even if they don't, I'm going to serve you. I love you. I trust you. My life is yours. I belong to you. If you never do another thing for me, you came for me. In my lowest moments, you wiped my past away. You cleansed me of my sin, and you made me a new creation, and you put the Spirit of Almighty God on the inside of me, and you gave me a hope and a future, and I'm going to spend forever in heaven, and I have the riches of Christ, and I have access anytime I want to. I may not know when this girl or this thing or this or whatever is good, but I know this. Anytime, day or night, I can enter boldly into the presence of Almighty God, the King of kings, the creator of the universe. And I want that to be my all in all. And you know what the great thing is? A couple of awesome things happen when we do that, by the way. Number one, there's a promise that if I delight myself in him, he'll give me the desires of my heart. Could it be that he knows that if I delight myself in the blessings, I'll never delight myself in him and the blessings will destroy me? But if I delight myself in him, 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. And can I tell you what else it does? When we make Jesus the point of the destination, it frees me up to enjoy the journey. I'm, I'm learning this. I'm learning this. I'm learning that if I don't keep waiting for this or waiting for, don't you do that in elementary school? You just, man, when I get to middle school. Man, when I get to high school. Man, when I get to college. Man, when I get this degree. Man, when I get married. Man, when I have kids. Man, we could just live, waste our entire lives waiting for this earthly climax that doesn't come. Yes, there are blessings. Yes, there are breakthroughs. Thank God for them. I'm believing them over you today. But even greater, I'm believing for somebody watching today to fall fresh in love with Jesus and say, Jesus, you are the point of it all. Maybe you're single. Can I just tell you, ask a married person if life just wraps up into a nice bow the moment you get married. Pastor Steve is laughing too loud. I hope Stacy's not watching. Here's the deal. You... Wherever you are, you you tend to think, man, when I get there, but I just want to free somebody up today. Delay doesn't mean denied. It doesn't. And usually the greater the delay, the greater the destiny. There's blessings in the delay, and I believe all those things, but I also know this, in the delay, I want to continue to come back to make Jesus the point of it all. I want to make him the point of it all. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wrap up, but as I wrap up, I'm going to speak some promises over your life. And wherever you are, maybe you want to stand up in the living room. Maybe you just want to put your your hands right here. In fact, I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. I can ask them to stand up. I don't know if you're standing up, but I'm going to ask them to stand up. And I want you to get ready to shout because I'm going to read some things to you that I pray go from head to heart and soul. Jeremiah 29, 11. And I want you to hear this like God's heart and God's word straight to you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Hear it like you've never heard it. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Philippians 1, 6 says this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Somebody that is screwed up really, really badly needs to hear this right now. It says in Proverbs, the righteous man falls down seven, but gets back up the eighth. Maybe you fall and just get back up in the name of Jesus. Get back up by his grace. What he began, he'll complete in you. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, I know you're suffering right now. I know you're hurting, but after you've suffered a little while, listen to what he'll do. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast after you've suffered just a little while. Romans 4.17, listen to this. This happened, what happened? The promise given to Abraham, this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. Jairus believed it. Peter believed it. The disciples believed it, believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Maybe your dreams are dead. God can bring new things out of the ashes. He can bring beauty from the ashes. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. I love that. Even when there wasn't a reason for hope. Maybe you're like, I see no prospects on the horizon. Hope anyways. Dare to hope. I love where it says in Lamentations, yet I still dare to hope, and I remember this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new and fresh every single morning. Dare to hope. Even though there's no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. 
believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. I'm almost done. Habakkuk 2.3 says this. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. Turn to the person beside you and say, it will happen. It will happen. It hadn't happened yet, but it will happen. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Last verse, Romans 8, 24 through 28, message translation says this. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become. I feel like that over quarantine. The larger I wait, the larger I have become. The, larger, the, the longer we wait, the larger we become. And the more joyful our expectancy. God doesn't want you full of dread today. He wants you full of expectancy about the future. I was reading Proverbs 31 the other day about the righteous wife, and it says the righteous woman looks at the future and laughs. I want the kind of faith that laughs at the future. I have so much hope. I want want the kind of faith in me that says it doesn't matter what the enemy brings. It doesn't matter what the economy brings. It doesn't matter what COVID brings. I know who holds the future in their hands, and I can look at it and laugh and say, God is with me, so who can be against me? God's Spirit, it says this, the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Delay doesn't mean denied. And you may be heart sick today, but I, I want you to know there is one who can heal the broken heart. The psalmist said that a broken heart he won't reject, but he is close and near to those who are crushed in spirit. And I want to pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you right now. Father, that you are the mender of broken dreams. Lord, I love the the picture in the Old Testament that you can even restore the years the locusts have eaten. God, I think of Job who lost everything, and then you gave him back double. God, I think about the men and women who waited so long for your promise, and I think of how they must have been so tempted to faint or compromise or just tap out in the process. But God, Isaiah says that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. I'm speaking strength to every household watching right now. I feel the presence of God to speak strength to every weeping woman, man, boy, and girl. God says, what I have promised will come to pass. But now take your eyes off the blessing and the promise and put it on the promiser. Lord, we put our hope in you today. And with heads still bowed, here's what I know too. There are some people listening to me that the thought of falling in love with Jesus, it just seems so foreign because if you're being real, you don't even know Jesus. Maybe you know about Jesus. Maybe you've heard about Jesus, but you don't intimately know God. And I want you to know that life giving, the kind of life that flourishes, that's full of peace and joy is only found not in religion, not in a stale formality of church, but in a vibrant, rich relationship with Almighty God where He's as close as your skin and His Word is in you and His Spirit's working in you and things aren't perfect, but God's at work. And I want you to know that the offer of grace is on the table today. That maybe your heart's sick and maybe, just maybe, your heart's sick enough for God to speak into the brokenness and into the tenderness for His Spirit to work. And if that's you, I can't pray for you. It's your faith. It's your turning of the heart. But I, I, can, I can lead you in some words that you can repeat and just speak back to God in your own heart. If today you're like, man, I, 
I want to cross the line of faith and make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want him to come and make me new on the inside. I want to make him king. I want to follow him today. I want you to just pray something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I come to you with my brokenness. I come to you just so messed up. There's, there's no, God, I have no desire today to put a nice little neat covering over it. God, you know who I am. And I come to you as I am. But I also come with the faith that Jesus, you are the son of the living God and that you died a death that I could never die. You died in my place that I may be justified with the Father. And you didn't stop there. You raised again from the grave with power and authority that I may have eternal life and a relationship with the Father. And I'm asking you today, Jesus, to come in me and to make me new, and to make me clean. Forgive me of my sins, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And if that's you today that said that prayer, we're celebrating with you today. I want you to know in one of the darkest seasons of my life, there's a song that God put in my heart to sing to him as an anthem, even through the pain. And that's that even when I feel let down, God, you will never let me down. You are the king of my heart. So let's just not sing about God today. Let's sing to God. Let's lift our voices and sing an anthem to God.